0: I am going to be speaking tonight on Philippians, let the cat out of the bag. I've been reading Philippians over and over, like I said. Um, I encourage you to go and read Philippians, particularly chapter 1. The reason being particularly tonight is I'm not preaching exegetically. That means I'm not going through verse by verse and just saying what it says. What I'm doing is I've detected a bit of a theme in Philippians chapter 1, indeed through all of Philippians, and the theme is gospel partnerships. I think it's important to be aware of gospel partnerships as a Christian. Some of you might not even be familiar with that term, that's okay. It's kind of a, a concept more than it is a term, and you'll be familiar with the concept at the very least. Um, so flip over to the next slide. First of all, just want to chat about partnerships. We're living in a society that basically says, individually, you need to have it under control. You need to have it going well as an, as an individual. We live in family. Um, we have lots of sort of communal contact, but ultimately... The society is pushing this thing on us that says, if you can be doing well by yourself and make sure that you pop up how well you're doing on Facebook every so often or tick off your YouVersion reading plans and make sure everybody else sees the little alerts that come up, then it'll be all going good. We need to think more deeply about our society as Christians and realize something very unique about being a Christian and being in partnership with another Christian. On the holidays, I got my kayak out and I did a little bit of kayaking. I went to uh, Victoria Point, uh, which has got an island called Mudlo off it. Um, I took my kayak there by myself. I launched it by myself. I paddled out. I'm going, I'm going to Mudlo, And I got partway across, and there's this like washing machine bit where the surf just starts, it's, not even, it's like a kind of a river, but it's just this big kind of expanse and just starts going, now, I can see the island over there, but I look down and there's these things they're only about that high but when you're in a kayak they feel like you know you're kind of trying to paddle forward and going like this and barely even getting your thing in the world. So i'm thinking i don't know if i'm gonna risk it uh, maybe not and so i turned around and i went back <laughs> i didn't make it to Kitchen midload the next week came and i had an opportunity to go kayaking again but before i went i rang up a mate dino he's a pastor at birkdale baptist out at the bayside he knows you know the bayside a little bit He's just got a kayak, and he's just started going kayaking. And I said, hey, I've got this plan. I want to go paddle out to Coochie Midlow Island. Can you come with me? We'll do, it, we'll do it together. And I said, look, this is where you launch. This is a... And I made it look like I knew what I was doing. And then I had to go, look, full disclaimer, I've never done this before. So I don't know if we're going to die. We, might, we, we shouldn't. Um, it seems safe. Um, so we, we got in there, and we both got out to the choppy bit. It's choppy again. I don't know. There must be just a, a reason why that portion of water goes choppy. And This time, we both kind of looked at each other saw that we were both there, and we just paddled through it, and then out the other side of the choppy bit and over to Coochie Island. We made it. Why? Because there was somebody there that I had a partner. It kind of changed the game. It, it, it changed it. Partnerships can go well like that. It's good. I don't know if you've ever had to do a group assignment at uni or at school or something. No, partnerships are also prone to not working sometimes as humans. Are you all left doing a whole bunch of work, and this other person doesn't do anything, and they let you down? Or you know, no doubt, if you've been around for long enough, that people will have let you down. You'll understand what it's like to have a partnership that goes well and a partnership that doesn't go well. Partnerships, they're all over the place. What is unique about two people who are Christians who love the gospel of Jesus? What is unique about those partnerships? Is there any difference, really? Are they prone to the same? You know, it might work, it might be good, it might give a little bit of a a prompting. I I would propose to you that when the gospel comes in and affects a person's life, these partnerships are unique. These are worth studying. These are worth looking at. They're not like normal partnerships. These are gospel partnerships. Flip over to the slide, uh, next one there. Um. I'm going to read something to you, and I want you to think, what is the reading of this doing? And I want you to be honest with yourself about it. The gospel is good news for the world. Jesus Christ came into the world. He died, he rose, and in doing this, he saved sinners like you and me, and he reconciled us to God. As saved people, we become part of his kingdom family, sharing in this gospel and proclaiming it and living it out in the world until he returns and puts all things fully And totally right. I don't know what that did for you then. There is something about the gospel that is utterly and deeply life changingly amazing, and we would do well to keep reading it, to keep pondering it, to keep coming back to it until we're continually and utterly amazed by this gospel. Here's the deal you were an enemy of God, you had no capacity in and of yourself to reach up and get anything good from God back. And because this message, this good news, came across your two little ears, you heard it. And if you're a Christian, you believed this, and it changed everything. You are now reconciled to God. The Spirit of God now resides in you. You are saved and you are forgiven. This gospel, when it arrived on your doorstep, was a game-changer. It changed everything for you. We hear it a bit though. And so we're sometimes a bit familiar with it. And we kind of go, yeah, 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 Jesus have sins on the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be like that with the gospel, I beg you. Again and again and again, return to it and acknowledge that without that message, that good news for the world, you were all cactus. I was cactus. I was nothing. Now I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I know God, I can pray. I got joy and purpose, forgiveness of sins, and the Spirit living in me. Why? Because somebody preached the gospel to me, and I believed it. Flip over to the next slide. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Nobody gets saved without hearing this message. There's not like another way around. There's not going to be a batch of people who are in heaven and like, oh, you're the gospel-believing ones. Oh, you're the ones who just mm-hmm. you know, gave a lot of money in the offering. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Salvation for everyone who believes the gospel. There is no other way. It's the power of God come to the earth, and it changes everything. So what's it like then for two people to be in partnership about this gospel that we're talking about. This is where I want to read from Philippians to to kind of unpack and help us to see what gospel partnerships are like, what they're all about. Before we start reading, which is going to be on the next slide, Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to start from verse 3. Again, I'd encourage you to go and read it for yourself because there's heaps of good stuff here that we're going to read past and needs more pondering than I can give it tonight. Paul is in prison. He's been been to Philippi, He's met some people, some people have believed this gospel, and they're saved, and then he's moved on, and he's got himself into some trouble, he's been arrested, and now he's in prison. Some people think he could be in Ephesus, some people think he could be in Rome, it's sort of dubious, we don't know which imprisonment this was for Paul at the time. Suffice it to say, the Philippians are actually quite worried, because Paul, who they know and love, is in prison, and then Paul writes this letter from prison to them. That's the context. Let's read your are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with the knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve of what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to so the glory and praise of God. Bible words coming at you. <laughs> Big sentences, Paul's like unleashed on us, and he's like, Oh, I'm praying for you, Philippians, and blah, blah, blah. It's all. I just want to draw your attention to the little highlighted bit that's at the top there. I thank my God for you. When gospel partnerships have arrived, and there is one person who believes and knows and loves the gospel in proximity to another person who knows and believes and loves the gospel, it is appropriate what Paul is doing here to thank God. Because ultimately, God arrived on our doorsteps because of his own prerogative. You heard the gospel because of God. You have gospel partners because of God. And so Paul, rather than going, I thank goodness I'm good at going and meeting people and sharing the gospel with them, he says, I thank God because he did it. God is the one who is going to start a work in your life and bring it to completion at the end of the day. God is the one who's going to grow you up. And that's why Paul stops at the start of this letter writing to his gospel partners in the Philippians and he says, I thank my God for you guys. Question for you then. Who are the gospel partners God has placed in your life? And a question about this question is, do you thank God for them? There's one guy here I want to give a shout out to tonight and I'm going to embarrass him with it. And That's Neil sitting up the back up here. Everyone's looking at Neil. He's like, hey. (laughs) This guy's been a gospel partner for me here in this place for so long. I don't know if you remember, uh, any of you were here really when Night Church was planted. Neil was a part of the plant group. Way back when we had a crazy, crazy crack a lacking youth group, Neil was on the youth team. Time and time again, week in, week out, I'd rock up to a place ready to preach the gospel and I'd see Neil's face smiling back at me because he loves the gospel. Again and again and again, I'd see and be encouraged by Neil just showing up and going, hey, I love the gospel too. Let's do this. Let's do this. So I thank my God for Neil. Who are you thanking God for tonight? I mean, this is not an accident. God deliberately and utterly draws you near other people that love the gospel. You should thank God that he has done that. It is good to have a brother and sister in the Lord, a gospel partner. So thank God for Him. Next point. Uh, gospel partnerships are Christ-centered. I'm read to you a little odd passage that's in this Philippians chapter 1. It's just a few verses here. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. seems very strange. I'll try and explain it in a minute. But others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. Those that preach in goodwill, they they preach out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. By here, he means prison. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that, I rejoice." An odd situation, Crackalackin' here. Paul's in prison, and the Philippians, Crackalackin's a a word, don't look at me like that. The Philippians basically have people among them that are like, hey, don't be like Paul. Paul preached the gospel in such a way that he wound up in prison. I I, I think you should believe in Jesus, but I just warn you, listen to this guy, Paul. Now, the Philippians have written to Paul or communicated to Paul, hey, there's guys there that are bad-mouthing you, they preach Jesus, but they're bad-mouthing you. This is an odd odd sort of thing, isn't it? They preach, but they've got like rivalry and conceit. They're kind of like trying to big note themselves above Paul kind of a thing. Have a very good look at Paul's response that's highlighted there. What does he, what does he do? Does he go, Wow, well, you better discommunicate those guys. Get rid of them. And he doesn't. He says, only that they may preach, uh, that Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. For Paul, it was all about Christ. Paul's litmus test, the big question in his life, and I would urge you to make it, the big question is in your life is, is Jesus being proclaimed here? Is Jesus being lifted up here? Is this a Jesus-y thing that's going to that's promote the gospel? And if you answer yes, rejoice in it. There are going to be things that tick you off, things in ministries that, that you do that you're like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Ask yourselves the question, is Jesus being proclaimed here? And find a reason to rejoice in them. I'm not saying don't speak and change and tweak. I'm just saying, you better make sure, first of all, you honor Jesus. You, you work out a way to go, I'm asking the biggest and deepest question here about this gospel partnership, and that is, is Jesus being proclaimed? Yes, No. If no, do something. Do something radical. Get him proclaimed. If yes, then calm your farm and have a have a conversation with joy in your heart. Okay? Question then, what are you doing to keep your eyes on Jesus? Reading the Bible like we've already covered tonight, a great way to keep your eyes on Jesus. If you haven't nailed the way of reading the Bible that's kind of working for you, keep trying. Keep trying. When Warren was talking about um, starting reading plans and reading Genesis to you know, Leviticus and just tapping out and going back again and started, you know I was that I did that over and over and over and over and over i 'd encourage you to keep going you 'll find Jesus in there. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus if we 're going to be gospel partners because the gospel is all about Jesus. The deepest joy that you can sort of fathom is going to be found not in how good you serve in a ministry. It's going to be found in Jesus, the the person, Jesus. The deeper you go in your journey with Jesus, praying to him, learning about him, being like him, being shaped by him, listening to his spirit, the deeper and richer your journey will be and the better a gospel partner you will be to those around you. So I'd encourage you. What are you doing to fix your eyes on Jesus? An analogy before we move on to the next one. Fishing boats, um, one of their biggest problems when they go out to sea is staying in the spot where the fish are. You know, they've got the fish finder. That's half the problem. They go, bleep, 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 they find a the little fish finder, and they oh, there's a bunch of fish in this spot. They need to stay there so that they can fish, but there's all of these currents and tides that, that transfer them all over the place. Imagine uh, if two boats were going out fishing together, and they find this great spot, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to catch a stack of fish here. Well, how do we stay here? And one of them goes, oh, I've got a plan. I'm just going to grab a rope and throw it to your boat and we'll just tie our boats together and she'll be right. that will be great, won't it? Well, no, you'll float away together. <laughs> what they should do is both grab their anchors and throw them down into the bottom so that they can both stay together and fish the spot. We must guard against Doing the work of ministry, be it youth or kids' zone or whatever the ministry is that you're involved in, and not putting our anchor down into Christ and instead being all, you know, this fishing boat would be all about the fishing. We're going to do some good fishing here and floating away, away from the fish. You must put your anchors down into Jesus. If all you're doing is going, hey, mate, let's come and run the best kids' zone lesson we could ever run and thinking all about the practicalities of craft and, you know, whatever it might be, and, you, and you're like, let's do this but you never ever stop and thank Jesus, think about Jesus, think about what you're doing as a gospel partner, then you're going to be floating to somewhere where you don't want to be. I'd encourage you all, don't skip this. You don't get to go and be great ministers for Jesus without first driving deep into Jesus. That's what gospel partners do. That's what breeds the joy. That's what creates the unity. Next one gospel partners help us see beyond ourselves. Let me read you this. This is Paul's synopsis of what it's been like for him to be in prison in regards to the gospel. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really actually served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Can you put yourself in the shoes of the Philippian church? They're sitting there and the mail's come and it's been delivered by somebody, and they're they're just being basically worried about Paul. Like, what's it like for him in prison? Is he going to die? Is he going to be killed? I don't know. What's this mean for the flourishing of the gospel? I don't know know what's going to happen here. And they get this letter. They love the gospel. They love Jesus. They know that they've, they've found life in him. What's happening with the gospel? And they read these words, and Paul says, I want you to know, Philippians, the gospel's actually been advancing. Yeah, I'm in prison, but guess what? The guards now know who Jesus is. Yeah, I'm in prison, but guess what? All of the Christians around me are actually emboldened knowing that, hey, you can go to prison and Jesus still flourishes. I love this. I'd encourage you, answer this next question for your own life. Flip over the next one. Where do you share and hear the stories about the gospel's impact? I'm in such a privileged position as a pastor because... A lot of the places I get to go throughout the week, I get to hear gospel stories. I get to hear what Jesus is doing. I acknowledge it's a little bit abnormal in that sense, but I would very much encourage you, if Jesus does something awesome in your life, get on the phone to a gospel brother and sister in the Lord and talk to them about it. Go to Life Group and share about it. If you're not involved in sharing what Jesus is doing in your life with others, get involved. If you need a way and you just can't figure out where that way is come and see someone and we'll help you find find a way see warren he would love to give you avenues to share your gospel stories likewise if your life is you go from church and you go home and you go to work tomorrow and then you watch netflix at night and you go to work the next day and you watch netflix at night and then you go to work the next day and you just repeat that process over and over devoid of any kind of gospel conversation or hearing what the gospel is doing in other people's lives i would encourage you break that cycle read a christian biography about what jesus has done in someone's life there's heaps of great christian biographies out there that we'd love I'd love to get you jump on every time a missionary comes in associates with this church or anywhere jump on their newsletter list it's so encouraging to jump on missionary newsletter listen here about jesus flourishing in places where he's got nobody knows his name apart from a few people and that you hear hey jesus is at work here and here and here and this miracle's happened here and here it is wonderful to know that jesus is a whole lot bigger than just what's going on in your life when you're sitting down and you're struggling to read the bible in the morning going is this all christianity is you need a gospel partner you, you need somebody to say, no, 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 Jesus is at work. Jesus is alive. He's doing these things. Put yourself in the road of that stuff. Last one, second last one, my bad. I thank my God in all remembrance of you. This is where it gets mushy, my apologies. No, I'm not apologizing am um, always in every prayer of mine, all making my prayer with joy. Put that word joy in your pocket for the moment. Let's keep going. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, that here you began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Push pause. You ready for this? Here it comes. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Oh, isn't that Lovely. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both by my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. Here's another one. How I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. I yearn for you, says Paul (laughs) about the Philippians. I hold you in my heart. Flip over to the next slide and have a look right down the bottom in verse 25 there. Paul just talked about if I die, I get to be with Jesus, but if I live, I get to help you guys. So I guess it's helping you guys for now, but I can't wait to be with Jesus. And then he says in verse 25, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. One of the most used words in the book of Philippians, some of the most used, Christ Jesus, over and over and over and over, joy rejoice words that have their stem in joy or or rejoice paul had something that this society so desperately needs joy is that deep seated can't be taking taken away inner elongated long term happiness emote i want to use a different word than happy but i don't i'm running out right There is something about being deeply joyful such that it can never be taken away that is like the ah of the human experience. This world is searching for it in chocolate bars, in Netflix, in shack-up relationships, whatever it might be, and time and time and time again they're getting this much when this much is available. Paul in being a gospel partner with the Philippians, time and time and time and time and time again, is saying, it's for your joy. There is something about gospel partnerships that your soul longs for. If you will ignore your brothers and sisters in your Christian pursuits, and even if you'll ignore your brothers and sisters in Christ in any pursuit, you are going to miss out on progress, on joy, your Christian experience is not a solo thing. Your Christian experience should be done with other brothers and sisters who love the gospel, who have been changed by the gospel like you have been. The treasure trove. Spurgeon said uh, the gospel um, is not like a football that you can sort of take out of a a toy cabinet and kick it around for a while and then just put it back in and forget about it. The gospel is something that when you take it out, it changes everything, everything about you. It is wonderful. There is something about the gospel being the center of a relationship that just beams joy into other people so that when you see a person now, there's gospel joy there. When I look up and see Neil and remember all the times where we were preaching the gospel to kids, and I remember him standing up at a camp and sharing the gospel with a cabin of kids. Like that's gospel joy I have now when I look at Neil. No one can take that from me. It's infinitely better than the Krispy Kreme I had before I got here. Real joy. It's available for all of us. Don't miss it. Last one. Um, flip over to the next one. Gospel partnerships multiply. So i to draw your attention to verse 27 there. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to you or see you or I'm absent, I may hear something of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The way that God is working out his plans for the gospel to flourish across the, the planet is by creating gospel partnerships. We've already looked at God creates them, God brings them up, God does it, And what Paul expects to see and what we should expect to see is this. Paul was away in prison and he's saying, look, whether I can make it to you or not, when I turn or when I hear or when I look over there, what I should see is people striving side by side for the gospel. Gospel partnerships multiply. It's not just Paul and the Philippians. It's the Philippians and the Philippians and the Philippians and the church that they planted. Ultimately, all of these churches we read about in Acts the Ephesian church, the Philippian church, they they planted churches and that's how we got here. Gospel partnerships are meant to multiply. So another big question, rather than just turning and looking at the ones that do exist, flip over to the next question. Where are the new opportunities for gospel partnerships opening up around you? It might be with a Christian who's just gotten a job at your workplace. It might be with a Christian neighbor. It might be someone here. It might be joining a ministry team or whatever it might be. But I'd ask you, don't walk through life thinking your Christian journey is all about whether you're going to sin or not sin or get it right or wrong. The the Christian journey is so much bigger than that. The Christian journey is one where you walk side by side with brothers and sisters in the gospel. They can bring you correction. They can bring you deep-seated, ongoing, never-evaporating joy. Joy. When you look at people that God has placed in your life and around you, I encourage you. I want you to be thinking, how do I drive myself deep into Jesus and come close to that person who also loves Jesus so that we together can be gospel partners? God is in the business of raising up gospel partners. It's what he does. Next slide. Yeah, but... Paul was an apostle. He's like a pseudo-Christian, right? He surely, you know, surely we can't look at Paul's life and expect that ours is going to be anything like that. Surely we can't expect the same joy that Paul had. Surely, and when you look at your own life and you actually see it's hard to love Jesus well sometimes. And when you look at your own life and you actually see, oh, you know what, I don't think anybody should come close to me because I, my... My Christian experience is actually not one of joy. It's actually one of hurt and shame sometimes. I feel like I've been beaten up. In Philippians, as you continue to read, he deals with issues like anxiety. He actually says, don't be anxious about anything. And then two chapters earlier, he says, I'm anxious for you. (laughs) Philippians. See, Paul wasn't some super Christian that had every single superhuman moral standard all lined up and never ever got anything wrong. That's not what Paul was and it's not what the Philippians were. The Philippians who were chastised by Paul. Hey guys, can you please tell that lady and that lady to get along in the Lord? Is what he says in another part in chapter 4. It's not all um, skipping through the daisies. There are difficulties but still a second yeah but. Yeah but The gospel is real. When people hear it and believe it, they are changed. They do grow deep into God. It is one of the miracles of our entire existence that me as a sinner can have any any joy or any connection to God at all, but it's real. It's unbelievable, but it's real. So I say to you, sinner, right now, and I say it to my own heart as well, believe the gospel. The partnership's not based in how good you are at not sinning. The partnership is based in how good Jesus is at forgiving your sin, redeeming you, sanctifying you. So you don't get to pick up your sad sack and walk around going, well, I can't do anything good this week. That's not Christianity. Christianity is where you realize that Jesus has paid the penalty for sin, that you can approach the Father in heaven no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, and you can have deep-seated, joyous gospel partnerships. And you can have them now. Why? Not because you're awesome, because God's awesome. I hope as you, as you read Philippians 1, I'd encourage you to go and read Philippians 1 for yourselves. Please do that that you see that there's actually an addition of the Christian life which is incredibly vibrant and awesome. Some of you might have been stumbling along and into it going, hey, this is kind of cool and sort of tripping over yourself and going, is this meant to be this way? That's fine. But when we read it, when we read what it was like for Paul, I hope it just opens your eyes and turns, turns your hearts on as to what to be looking for. Find people that love the gospel and help people love the gospel. Be a gospel partner. I'm going to pray, and that will do us for tonight, I reckon. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for being um, willing to show us the life of Paul, show us the Philippians, to put that in your word. Father, it's with great joy that I get to share that message, that joy is actually available, that joy is there, that, that it can be found in you. So, Father, I just ask that for each one here, that those questions might have sparked something there, that they might go running not after a moralistic version of Christianity, but a joyous one, one where they are saved and free to follow you, when they are free to to follow after an addition of life that is going to actually bring joy, that is going to actually bring hope. Father, I pray that you might help people work through the hard issues in that, And Lord, I long to see what you're going to be doing in this place in 20, 30, 40 years. If this church is not here anymore in 30 years, but there are 10 other churches, oh Lord, that would (laughs) be wonderful. Father, I just ask that for each one here, you might guide us towards gospel partnerships with one another and others. Please keep doing that for us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.